Thanks for tuning in to Farmer Theologian, a podcast designed to help you build deeply rooted practical theology. Let's get to work. All right, friends, welcome to Farmer Theologian, episode 31. Real quick, before we get into the topic, if you would do three things to help out this podcast, I would greatly appreciate it. One, subscribe on the podcast platform that you are listening to right now. Just hit that subscribe button. It helps with the algorithm and all that good stuff. Second, leave a rating or a review. Just give us five stars and it won't take you much time. We really appreciate that. And then number three, if you would share this on social media, that would be great. All right, today's topic, answering fools. This topic has been on my mind quite a bit. It's kind of just been milling around in my mind um, quite a bit for a couple reasons. One, if you've listened to the episode on how to study your Bible, you realize that uh, the Bible reading plan that I'm doing this year is in Psalms and Proverbs, so I'm spending quite a bit of time in the wisdom literature from that. Uh, no, confession time, I will say. No, I haven't been perfect every single day. Nobody really is in their Bible reading plan, I don't think, at least nobody I know. Um, but it nevertheless has focused me on the Psalms and Proverbs quite a bit. And then also I am actually teaching a survey class on wisdom literature at my church right now. So that too has me in the wisdom literature quite a bit, which means I've been thinking about this topic of wisdom and folly and how to deal with wisdom and folly quite a bit lately. So today I want to talk a bit about answering fools and how do we engage with those or do we engage with those uh, acting in a foolish manner. And I want to talk about two particular signs of folly that the Bible speaks about repeatedly. Now, if you have a Bible, if you're sitting down listening to this and you're able to follow along with your Bible, let me encourage you, get your Bible out, go to Proverbs. I'm going to read a lot of Proverbs there uh, today. If not, if you're driving, uh, just take note of these things. Um, come back and listen in a little bit and write down the references uh, and go look them up for yourself in Scripture, uh, because you'll see that the Bible talks about these topics quite a bit. So two particular uh, signs of folly or elements of folly and how we engage with fools in this area. The first is gossip or slander. Gossip or slander, speaking ill of another person uh, behind their back in a way that's dishonest about them. That's gossip or slander. The Bible has a lot to say. Proverbs in particular has a lot to say about gossip and slander and how we engage or don't engage with it. First, I'm going to read through a bunch of Proverbs today again, as I said, uh, so follow along if you're able, but uh, just, just let this wash over you, I would say. First, Proverbs chapter 10, verse 18 and 19. He who conceals hatred has lying lips, and he who spreads slander is a fool. When there are many words, transgression is unavoidable, but he who restrains his lips is wise. It's a really amazing uh, couplet of verses here in the Proverbs about slander. The one who spreads slander is a fool. The one who conceals hatred has lying lips. And where there are many words, this is unavoidable. If ever there was a verse for social media, it be this, when there are many words, transgression is unavoidable. But he who restrains his lips is wise. He who just holds his tongue. You've probably heard the more colloquial proverb, better to have people think you are a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. This is that kind of common colloquial phrase is built on this idea that there is wisdom in restraining one's lips. We don't have to spread the slander. And I would say particularly on social media, one way that I see brothers and sisters doing this all the time is they'll 
post what somebody said that's slander, that's gossipy, and they'll refute them in posting it. And all they're doing is passively spreading that thing. Rather, we should be those who restrain our lips. Proverbs 11.9, with the mouth, the godless man destroys his neighbor, but through knowledge, the righteous will be delivered. This, of course, speaks to that great power in the tongue that's also reflected in what many call the Proverbs of the New Testament, James chapter 3. It talks about the great power of the tongue, that it can be like a spark that sets a forest on fire. There's great ability to destroy with the tongue but through knowledge, the righteous will be delivered. It's a really important thing. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 19. He who goes about as a slanderer reveals secrets. You want an idea for defining slander and gossip right there, revealing secrets. Therefore, do not associate with a gossip. Dear friends, that speaks to our engagement. He who goes about as a slanderer reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with a gossip. Again, that's Proverbs chapter 20, verse 19. And then the next one, which will come up in both kind of elements that we're looking at here, Proverbs 26, 20. For lack of wood, the fire goes out, and where there is no whisper, contention quiets down. This is a great word picture here used in the Proverbs. It carries the idea of somebody who's uh, trying to keep a fire going right? And you've been there if you've ever done a, a fire in camping, or if you're like me, you like to smoke meat, you, you have to keep the fire going, you have to change the fire, and sometimes it gets a little lower than you want. What do you do? You get down there, face close to the, to the bed of the coals, and you just blow. You give oxygen, you give more air to that fire to cause the fire to come up. Well, it's using that illustration here to talk about the destructive nature of gossip. And just like the lack of the lack of wood can can reduce that fire to coals and so you you blow into it to to flame it up again here it's picturing the whispering of gossip as that giving air to the fire of giving fuel to the fire that keeps it going but it says where there is no whisperer contention quiets down where there's no engagement in that continued gossip the the contention quiets down so here we see the, the gossip and slander being demonstrated as folly. The Bible repeatedly makes this folly or sin and the antidote to that, not engaging. Do not associate with a gossip where there is no whisper, contention quiets down. The second way that I greatly see this um, folly, especially on social media and, and frankly, just especially in Christian social media, unfortunately, is in the constant stirring up of conflict, in the constant stirring up of conflict. And again, Proverbs has great amount of stuff on this. So I'm going to read you some more Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 12, hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all transgressions. You see that, friend? Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all transgressions. Proverbs 6, 28, a perverse man spreads strife and a slanderer separates intimate friends. The one who is constantly stirring up strife that is bringing separation into intimate friendships like family relationships and church relationships through the constant spreading of strife, that is a perverse man. That is a slanderer who separates intimate friends. Again, that's Proverbs 16, 28. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 3, keeping away from strife is an honor for a man, but any fool will quarrel. Can you hear that, friends? This is wisdom. This is biblical wisdom. Keeping away from strife 
is honor for a man, but any fool will quarrel. And there seems to be a great uh, push on social media lately to be to be hard men, to be fighting men. And listen, it is cowardice, and cowardice is a sin to to not defend those who need defending, to not defend the truth when it needs defending, but to go around stirring up strife just so you can prove that you're a hard man just shows that you're a fool. You're any fool who will quarrel. Keeping away from strife is an honor for a man, but any fool will quarrel. Proverbs 20, verse 3. Proverbs 28, verse 25. An arrogant man stirs up strife, but he who trusts in the Lord will prosper. If you have the ESV, it says a greedy man stirs up strife. The idea is there, a self-seeking man stirs up strife, but he who trusts in the Lord will prosper. This is such a great verse for diagnosing the folly of our age in a time when conflict draws clicks and likes and video views, all of which are a profit model these days. It is very common to see people cause strife and draw attention to themselves by constantly stirring up controversy. And the Bible says that's arrogance, that's greed. But the one who trusts in the Lord will prosper. Again, that's Proverbs 28, 25. And then Proverbs 26, 20, again, just to remind you, for lack of a wood, fire goes out. And where there is no whisper, contention quiets down. So what is the way that we engage in or we best answer these things? Well, I would say, dear friend, it's to not engage, at least not engage on the fool's grounds. And that brings me to Proverbs 26, verse 4 and 5. And now these verses are commonly seen as contradictory, but I think when you understand what the Proverbs is saying, you'll see that this is a really great wisdom for us. Proverbs 26, verse 4 and 5. Do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you will also be like him. Answer a fool as his folly deserves, that he may not be wise in his own eyes. Now, this may seem like, and, and often people will use these as kind of competing things, like somebody will say, don't answer a fool, and then somebody will say, the next verse says, answer a fool. But what these two verses together give us is a, a means for understanding how to answer. We don't answer the fool according to his folly, in his way, accepting his terms, on his grounds, or we will be like him. If we want to be with the person who is constantly stirring up strife by playing word games and semantics and slander and gossip and misrepresenting people, the answer is not to just be like that person, misrepresenting them, slandering them, playing word games with them. But rather, it's to answer the folly, answer the fool as his folly deserves with the truth, with the truth and with wise approach. And sometimes that wise approach is just to not engage, just to stay away from that foolish conflict, to not be stirred up by the greedy or the arrogant man who stirs up strife, but rather to just simply refuse to whisper and allow the contention to go out. Again, that's Proverbs 26, 4 and 5. Do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you will also be like him. Answer a fool as his folly deserves, that he may not be wise in his own eyes. Listen, dear friends, there is a, I would say, a big problem within the church and, and those who claim to be Christian on social media of stirring up conflict and then demanding everybody give you an answer. Avoid such a one. Avoid that one who builds their profit model off of stirring up strife. Avoid such a one who's always looking for a fight. 
that's cool. If you have to engage, if they engage you, then answer with truth and wisdom. Don't answer by playing their games. Don't answer with semantic games, but answer with the truth in love. And that brings me to my last point. How do we handle these debates when they cannot be avoided within the church? How do we handle them? Well, I want to give you two particular scriptures that just remind you. One, in John chapter 13, our Lord said to, to, that we would be known by our love for one another. Keep that in mind as you engage in these things. Do so in a way that's a true love for the other person involved, not seeking to just simply win the argument, not simply to just smash that other person, but to truly love them and care for them well. And then I want to read a passage from Ephesians chapter 4 that just handles so much of this. So Ephesians chapter 4, I'm going to read verses 25 to 32. Therefore, laying aside all falsehood, speak the truth, each one of you with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and do not give the devil an opportunity. He who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with the one who has a need. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word is as good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Dear friends, there's so much in here as this passage is, is really the culmination of of Paul having given such great theology in Ephesians 1 through 3. He's now telling them how to live in it, and he's telling them how to walk in wisdom and to walk in love. And it has a lot to do with how we interact with one another. Laying aside all falsehood, we speak the truth. We let no unwholesome word come out of our mouth. In our angry, even when we're angry, we do not sin and we do not let the sun go down on our anger. We don't give the devil an opportunity by continuing to remain angry at that person who has wronged us, even if we're just in that anger that they have truly wronged us. In fact, it goes on to say to forgive, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. It talks about getting rid of bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander, put it away from you along with all malice. And then this great, just awesome verse 429 on how we speak, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment so that it will give grace to those who hear. Dear friends, we hear a lot of this conversation when we get into conversation about how to engage one another in uh, these debates, and we say, speak the truth in love. And those who are really want to be hard charging, they'll put the emphasis on speaking the truth. And those who want to calm down the debate will put it on speaking in love and will act as if those are in conflict and will dismiss one another. But the scripture goes on to elaborate on how we do that. It's wholesome speech, that is true speech. It is a word that is good for edification, for the building up of the person that we're speaking to, for building them up, not for tearing them down, but for building them up, for it is needed for the moment. Oh, that we would take that to heart, dear church. 
that we would not speak truth that is not needed for the moment. The person who's always looking to give their opinion also shows that they are displaying the marks of a fool. They are displaying old man folly. Proverbs 18.2, the fool does not delight in understanding, but only in making his own mind, or your translation might say, only in making his own opinion known. The person who constantly delights in telling you what they know is displaying folly. We should be eagerly looking to understand, to grow in understanding. So we don't, we don't want to speak something that's not needed for the moment. We don't want to be the one that's always looking to give our opinion. And then the fourth kind of phrase that it gives there in Ephesians 4.29 that tells us how we should speak is it gives grace to those who hear. It gives grace to those who hear. So dear friends, even if you think that person is wrong on social media, let me encourage you, you don't have to answer. Even if they're a gossip, even if they're a slanderer, even if they're in sin, your job is not the police of social media. You don't have to answer. If you do feel the need to answer, or if it, it comes at you where you have no chance but to answer, remember these words. We're to put off falsehood. We're to put off angry, malicious, slanderous ways of speech. We don't want to answer the fool according to his folly in that sense. We don't want to engage in the argument in the way that the fool engages in the arguments. We don't want to play the word games. We don't want to build up straw men to burn down. We don't want to misrepresent people. We don't want to be the one who whispers that just keeps the contention going. We don't want to make as our aim just winning the battle. But rather, we want to let that which is wholesome come out of our mouth. It says it here in the negative. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. Nothing untrue. It needs to be good for edification. It needs to be needed for the moment. And it needs to give grace to those, to those who hear. If you'll think through those that grid before you tweet, I am convinced if we will all do that, that Twitter will be a much, much better place. At least the Christian segment of Twitter will be a much better place if we speak that which is wholesome, needed for the moment, intended to edify, and gives grace to those who hear. Well, dear friends, I hope this has encouraged you and been a blessing to you. The best thing I could tell you is you don't have to give an answer to every fool on the internet. It's not your job. In fact, if you find something disagreeable in this, you could feel free to email me, but you don't have to. If I'm being foolish, the Lord will sort it out. But hopefully I've given you the words of Scripture, the truth of Scripture, to help you see you don't have to answer every fool, but if you do answer, you need to speak the truth in love. And that is defined as wholesome, intended to edify, needed for the moment, and gives grace to those who hear, according to Ephesians 4.29. Well, friend, I hope this has been encouraging to you and a blessing to you and that you're continuing to enjoy this podcast as we all seek to build deeply rooted practical theology.